Hi, we are the Rerouting Network, Angie, Essie, Inger and Lala, and today we're talking about the fifth and sixth episode of the second season of the Netflix show Shadow and Bone. I'm Inga. I'm Layla. And I'm Angie. And I think the, the echo in my room is gone because I have my couch. Yes, furniture. That was that was an adventure because my couch was supposed to come last Monday between 12 and 6th and I had worked the entire weekend before so I slept in because you know I knew they wouldn't come before 12 yeah so I wake up at around 9ish and think okay I should probably get up soonish but you know it's it's fine I still have three hours before the couch comes and then I was just about to turn over to grab my phone and like start scrolling a bit before actually getting up when the doorbell rings and it was the couch and they were just three hours early and I was just like okay I guess I'm gonna have to get dressed really fast now that would have stressed me out it stressed me out a lot but I didn't really have much of a choice oh yeah because I'm such a messy person my place would have been a dumpster fire yeah mine wasn't exactly tidy either especially because I still had all the stuff in the way where the couch was supposed to go so while they were starting to carry things in I quickly cleaned up the space where the couch was supposed to go and it was it was not great <laughs> and we have our first tangent out of the way do we want to start actually talking about the episodes yes I love episode five and six i feel like five and six is probably the best like i don't say subplot because obviously all of this towards the same plot but the shuhan plot especially with the sword it's a favorite i don't know why i love it i'm so happy they added it because some things when they add you're like okay but this like episode and these like added characters i really loved i felt like if they do more of this i wouldn't mind so episode five i'll try to read the title i can't read the title but in parentheses it says despise your heart so i'm guessing the the language that's there i want to say i'm guessing shuhan because the episode mostly takes place in shuhan but not sure so episode Five of Shadow and Bone season two. So how I decided to break down the notes. I'm just gonna, we're gonna read the part where Alina's crew happens. Stop, talk about it. Kaz's crew and then stop and talk about it. Because I felt like when I read all of it through, it gets very messy. So that's a good time. Uh, but first, what I really loved about episode five was the, the opening credits. Did you, did you notice those? The crows? The crows. <laughs> One of the crows had a tiny cane. And another One crow, had a nice. another crow was behind a window which i assume was supposed to be matthias My and then babe. there was one crow facing away and i think maybe that could have been inesh and then one, one was just like landing maybe that was nina and i i really loved them i, was I really love into that one those, that those one is my title. favorite that's my favorite one i have a second favorite one i don't remember where it falls but that one is my favorite one so here we start off with Kerrigan returning to his workshop after finding the place completely trashed to bits from Jenya. Uh, you know, when she escaped, she destroyed the place. Vladim is there too, and he tries to tries in vain to talk to Kerrigan about his continued mission to push the amplifier he's working on. Kerrigan is not interested right now. He marches purposely out of the room, shutting the door in his face. So basically, he doesn't want to hear it. Jenya and Bagra escape last episode, and this inconvenience Kerrigan onto push on his agenda further desperate to get the sun summoner back so he doesn't want to go after the army he wants to go after alina herself alina regroups in the caves where a number of injured are being tended to among them happened to be one of the grisha who was hurt by the shadow creature last episode i think that was nadia's brother was it watching 
as he's, he's treated and causes Alina to spiral out control and she struggles to control her power, especially as she keeps seeing Kerrigan everywhere. She does find some comfort in the arrival of Bagra and Jenya, uh, who both show up to see Alina, who embraces, so she gives Jenya a big hug. However, when Nikolai figures out, or like puts two and two together, that Jenya is the Grisha that poisoned his dad, he's livid and almost loses control. However, Alina basically tells him that it's your dad's fault and uh, Jenya shouldn't be faulted for you know being a victim and to both the king and the darkling as a result of this nikolai's attention turns to kerrigan too and he vows to gain revenge against the man in the midst of this there's really beautiful moment between david and jenya too with them like talking and him apologizing that he left her behind and that he still loves her no matter what she looks like i feel like in both plots usually because especially in episodes you're like okay six of crows plot usually has all the action and then in my opinion and the shadow and bone people they get dragged out but i feel like in these two episodes the pacing was really nice for both of them and the plot was really heightened in both cases so i really liked i didn't find myself skipping a lot through these episodes because i usually do that when i get bored just the overall like we're reaching the climax of the show or basically this is the climax because we're sort of in the middle like we passed the middle so i really did like the reunion between genya and alina because at the end of the day they were both manipulated by the darkling and she understand what it feels like even though jenny has been manipulated by him for a long time and she's been through a lot worse so to see alina actually put their like their past behind the the betrayal and stuff because she knows that Jenya only did it for survival. She really didn't have a choice. I definitely really loved the scene, especially between between David and Jenya as well. They were there's just such a great couple, and how he tells her how she's much more important than her looks and everything, and how brave she is. I I love that. He is um, so adorable. How can yeah, anybody they're... be upset at him? I. They're, they're the best him. ship of that plot side. Like, they're the best ship they of the Ravka storyline side. They're, they're the only ones who have their shit together. Definitely. Come on now. And <laughs> I was, I kept thinking that the entire show so far, but th- th- this episode I actually wrote it down. Does anybody else get, like, Wanda Maximoff vibes from Jenya, both in looks and just, like, kind of demeanor? Yes, I do. She does give off Wanda. Now I'm gonna go watch the episode and just <laughs> have that thought in the back of my head. And honestly, kind of, you know, if you see, like, her as Wanda, then um, David it definitely works as vision kind of ish a little dynamic dynamics they do he's kind of robotic i'm not a diss to david but you know he's very like introverted and anti-social it's just i just love that kind of dynamic where it's like one is really shy and the other one is really outgoing and and yet they balance each other perfectly well it's really it's really sweet to see and his little speech that he gave her, which I wrote it down, he was like, oh, I don't understand people, I understand metal. But then he just, he just, like, spoke through his heart, and it was just so cute. When he said that, I was very much reminded of, of Hephaestus and Leo from the, from the Percy Jackson books. <laughs> like, if we, if we had to sort these characters um, and, and assign them godly parents, I know who David's father would be. Yes, so we do. And Leo was like a mixture of... Yeah, that's probably true. Oh, also, uh, oh my god, the part where Nikolai and Janet speak to each other really was like, oh my god. Because they can't be that delusional. I mean, of course, we'll give Nikolai the pass because he hasn't been home forever. But it was very like, I've seen people talk online that Nikolai basically like sided with her too fast. But I was like, but that's literally Nikolai. Like in the books, he just, they said what the king did, basically, you know, I can't speak on it comfortably, so I'm not going to say the word. So, and then he's like, okay, then 
spoiler alert for the books, he banishes his parents that easily. He doesn't even think twice about it. He just says, go away. And then they leave. Yeah, but in the books, he also says that Jenya is going to have to be put on trial after the war is over. So I feel like they they did kind of slightly skip that part. So I kind of get the criticism that it it was faster than and more on Jenya's side than in the books. But I still think that was perfectly fine. Maybe because I have the knowledge of the other series that comes fast so and she is in there so in my head like she's like basically still part of the palace but i liked it it's part of his character he's very fair and true and the fact that what does he say and she she says something to him and she goes oh i don't want another apology i just want somebody to do something for rafka and i was like this girl's sick and tired of men apologizing and i don't blame her for it save your sorry and do something and i feel like her words really resonated with him because after this he really has like further purpose to help Rafka other than being the next in line for the throne because a lot of them are being slighted and wronged and basically treated like dirt and he needs to see to that fix that especially when his mom he stood up against his mother for Jenya too because the abuse of power was clearly there and she knew about it and she did nothing for it so he's seeing his parents in a new light and that also motivates him to do better because he does come from a long line of jerks and he needs to fix yeah, it. Yeah, his family is not great. Mm-mm. He's definitely not great. Not great. They're terrible people. Terrible. Do we want to talk about them a little more or do we want to move up to uh, Tolia and Zoya reaching Ketterdam? Let me go see if I can see anything else from my notes because I haven't, I can't write, quite remember. Just know that, I don't know, honestly, when, every time I watch a show, I'm like, oh, right, the, the, the Rafka plot is there as well. I keep forgetting, I kind of like... Exactly, the Rafka like, plot. It's a crow show. Not. It is, it, yeah, you forget that we're watching actually their show and not... Six of Crows show. Okay. So Tolia and Zoya arrive in Ketterdam with a per- and per- with preposition and preposition Kaz and the group about retrieving the lost blade. Inez is out of the group, or so Kaz says she is, and doesn't want to include her in it. But it's clear that she has every intention of joining them regardless of what Kaz says, as she should. So Kaz does some digging and learns that i can't read this word i can't read it it's basically the sh- sword the the sword at the i think it was a museum at amarat jen is definitely a fake and the sword has actually been stolen by a thief known as the disciple a man who has a knack of stealing state relic related relics oval saran is the first pork call a woman who runs a tea shop who could have crucial intel about where the sword is located the group show up at i think it's called bay zoo above Hustling to shoe town and speak to Oval over some tea, which you know they had to do the ritual. I was so and it, I was so amused by that because Cass was not into the tea at all, and I was, was, it was very so reminded. Cute. I was very reminded of when when Zuko and Avatar called it hot leaf juice, and then <laughs> Uncle Iroh was so offended. Nira, what do you think it tastes like? And he's like tea. I was like, her little shenanigans only work with Matthias because he's the only one who humors her through her conversations. But uh, I mean, the idea of Kaz and oh, sorry, I was just saying, but it's still so funny to see her dynamics with Kaz because he's like, I'm not gonna it's... humor you, but also she's she like she's unfazed by that and she's like, I don't care, she, you know. She like verbally it's drags awesome. him along through whatever, and the nicknames 
It was it was hilarious. Yeah, like, if they, you have them married, it's just it's just perfect. They lacked so much chemistry. Even the lady was like, something is up. Like, what is this? And also, she basically fixed it out real quick. She calls them thieves. Uh, the meeting goes awry. Oval snubs their proposition, claiming it won't work with thieves and refuses to talk. The gang regroup after some awkward back and forth between Wyland and Jesper. Uh, the latter learn Wyland can't read. He's looking at the passport. He didn't know what it said. While Ryland figured out that Jesper is greedy is hiding it from everyone. Kaz deduces that Oval, their tea lady, is the disciple they're after. She can control her emotions and heart rate. So that must... So also, so Kaz and Nina were going back and forth. He didn't just figure it out by himself. It was also her and her heart rate. So she must be the one with the sword. Kaz believes she tipped off the waitress to spill the tea on Kaz, which resulted in him breaking his concentration, ending up with a brief panic. As a result, Kaz decides they need to steal the sword for themselves while Oval is out setting up another heist. So that he basically sends Zoya and Alina to, not Alina, Nina, to distract her. I like the part earlier in the their their part when he says that Inej is not in the group and then Jesper and Nina just go tell her. They're like, guess what? Here's the tea. He said this about you. It was so good. I was like, that's their dynamic. Shit talking Kaz. Because who else? What else can they talk about? It was so funny. And then Nina said the unspeakable basically saying he likes you he just doesn't know how to show it and then it was just so good the faces of jesper and nesh too but you know jesper me like um i thought we weren't supposed (laughs) to say those things out loud like of course we all know but you know yeah but we just play along (laughs) they play dumb because yeah what else are they gonna do it is so good what i really loved as well was when nina started talking about food in in shuhan and tolia was happy to go along with it and they just had like a conversation in shuhan about food and so like yep they they work together that's perfect i think i noticed um nina's happy to to discuss food in any language yes she's just such a light-hearted character it's like her and jesper like have a lot of weight to them but they're just their comedy is they're just more than comic relief but their comedy really does seal the steam Every single scene they're a part of, it's theirs. It's just so good to see. And Wyland not being able to read was like when I when I first found that out in the books, it made a lot of sense. But since we're not following that plot of the book that I'm not gonna talk about, in case our the any listener hasn't read it, it makes sense. But for them to include it this way was also kind of smart, but it was really fast. But I like that they included it because that is a big part of his background and his history that he has he basically has dyslexia and he can't. Well, I mean, he has a very extreme case of dyslexia, but yeah. yeah. But I'm still not entirely sure. I think they might still eventually like come out with his backstory from the book. I hope so. They need to keep some material for season three or the spinoff. Yeah. Like, uh, save so. But to go back to the, the scene with Nina and Tolia for a second, I really love them like playing off each other. And if Matthias was nothing, which obviously he is, and I love Nina, Nina and Matthias, I yeah. could see Tolia and Nina together, kind of, weekly, like for like a one-off second mini show. I can see them. Actually, same. Actually, same. It's like just they just have the energy of people who would really relate to each other. Two sides of the same coin. And I mean, when you what you said about being fast, I feel like that's a thing. All these season so far that everything is just moving about so quickly in all accounts you know so yeah no wonder yeah. they did they speed run that too and just revealed that he can't read that why they can't read 
Oh yeah, they kind of had like a little argument where not argument it was like like Wyland like oh yeah I can't read but you're Grisha and you you're hiding it and he goes because it's a curse so Wyland has that oh not Wyland Wyland has his baggage of you know un- being able to read and Desper hiding being Grisha because basically who wants to come out as Grisha especially like Kadernam it's not really illegal to be Grisha but for the outside but world just him being all, taken. All or Grisha and Kenadam are not officially slaves, but indentures, which is not much better. Yeah. Or only better on paper, not in real life. Yeah, but it does, that doesn't stop outside forces or somebody taking him or using him for whatever they need him to do. Okay, where else do I have notes on? Oh, Zoya. Didn't Zoya and Nina speak? And... Well, obviously, Zoya and Nina didn't want to work together because they obviously have a history. Nina was presumed dead for a while, uh, only to find out that she was with a Frierdin, which is their number one enemy. And she's like, and Nina doesn't want to hear it. She basically has, she, she straight up says that she doesn't like, to me, it feels like at this point, she has no loyalty to Rafka. Not that she will do anything against them, but basically she just wants to be in a place where where she could be with Matthias. And at that point, Point, I feel like her heart is probably set on Ketterdam because they feel like an, even though they have a lot of crime there I feel like it's neutral which is why nobody goes there because nobody dares to step inside of there because who would choose to go to Ketterdam willingly so if she hides out there no one would seek them out so I feel like that's where she is mentally when it comes to Rafka and Matthias. In Ketterdam all of the those like beliefs and, and religion and, and ideals and stuff don't really count as much in Ketterdam the only thing that counts is, is commerce and Kruger and um that, that sweet so sweet money exactly sweet, they don't money. so it's, it's easier if you as long as you have money or, or ways to get money or ways to make people money nobody really cares about what, what nobody else you do. exactly nobody cares they just they just love money it's money over everything over there my notes go back to nina and that alina and that group do we have anything else we want to say about the crows plus zoya and tolia right now i feel like when they when, when the whole buying or um, like argument their way to get the, the sport that didn't work out Cass was honestly almost kind of relieved I think he was more more comfortable with stealing the sword than with getting it through diplomatic or monetary means yeah, yeah, I was kind of wondering why they put him on the table instead of somebody with more charm like Jeff he would have talked his way through it but I know Wyland had to get powders but they could have sent Kaz there but then they wouldn't have that cute little talk with Tolia and Jasper about Wyland which was really adorable but I feel like they just set it up to fail like if you really want somebody to charm somebody to give you a sword you want to put Kaz on the table no but I mean, that's literally the opposite effect the, the whole point of the crowds is heists they can't really have them no. work it out by just by talking that wouldn't really be the crowds anymore yeah he was too busy glaring at her. She was so unimpressed. She was like, what is wrong with your man? And they're like, oh, he's fine. A he lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot A lot is wrong with him. Oh, yeah, and then one would have worked better if they put Kaz and Inej there, even though neither of them is very charming, it's... but they, the two of them together work better than Nina and Kaz. Actually, they would have been both too awkward, because they both obviously have huge curses on each other, and how is she going to watch them from the roof if she's but still? Oh, there's one with it. Oh my god, and his panic attack. We can't forget about that crucial moment uh she the the tea spills on him and then and then he freaks out and then he starts
starts running and then people touch him and then and then instead of Inez running after uh, Oval she chases him with his gloves and which is she loses her but it was really cute she and, was like oh I can't leave you like this and I was like just say it just say it he and broke of my heart to be mad at her for leaving leaving the mark yeah but come on he needs to know that what she did she trusted her gut and she followed him instead I just love them so much I just love them so much. Mm-mm-mm. It was so good. No, just I, I saw in my notes very quick mention of going back to the Darkling. He keeps complaining about the fact that there's only one of him and like how he's the only one who can get us all except for his mother of course but somehow he keeps ignoring that and i feel like the whole time it's like is is he aware that his powers can be inherited like i'm kind of exactly. surprised he never tried to make more shadow summoners exactly he could have made like it, it doesn't seem like it's impossible since he inherited you know what the, the fact that i never thought of that because he got it from his mom and his mom basically got from her like from passed down and i'm like that would have been more stronger than him. Yeah, and then that's he starts true. freaking out. That... I don't think he could have a child. I don't trust him as a father. No, no, no that's a person. A child. I would, I would hate to be like. I would hate for him to have a child. But I still feel like he, sh- he would have, he could have tried it at least once. Like, I mean, I think it's in the books where where Bagra actually said she looked for like a powerful creature because she wanted a powerful child, and yeah. he could have done that. That's why he doesn't. Is is that's why he she wants Alina, isn't it? I don't. Maybe that also makes sense, but then, but that also could be a reason why he wants Alina. He does want her to be by his side, and that does imply, you know, future children. But before Alina, he couldn't like single anybody else out. He definitely had the time for it. He could have <laughs> exactly. tried at some he point. He had a lot of time. He had a lot of time. Okay, okay now, okay, this episode, even though I love this so much, Alina and Mal start to piss me off a lot. So back at. Uh, where Alina is, uh, Alina realizes she needs to break up this bond she has with the Darkling if they have any hope of stopping him. The only way to do that is for Alina to confront Kerrigan himself. Uh, while being, I think, in the cave. Are they in the cave now? Alina uses her projected stag amplifier power and almost takes down the whole roof in her hypnotized state. Mal returns after the little inconvenience of being taken. You know that way that he was a snack up and came back like nothing happened really bothered me and pulled alina back from the brink unfortunately he does just as she was about to sever the bond between her and kerrigan lulling him into a false sense of security and getting close enough to break off the bond from his hand alina is not happy and as the others take a quick getaway to avoid the awkwardness alina and mal end up hashing out their issues ending with mal conceding and telling her that he'll get the firebird but leaving things on a rather sour note bagra has more details about the firebird that could be of some use, pointing out that Morozova's workshop would be a good place to start looking. Alina makes her choice and heads, hands back Nikolai's ring. Not She's not going to get married right now, but instead embrace the true calling of what she was destined to do. Before he leaves, Nikolai hands over his lucky compass to her and an excuse to find him again. Okay, I get what Alina was trying to do with Break the Thing, but not, weren't you a few seconds ago freaking out that Mal wasn't there and then Mal shows up again and then you snap at him? I mean, I know she was trying to do something, but them two going back and forth at each other really uh, irritates me. And he goes, oh, I wasn't here because I was kidnapped. And she goes, 
okay and like how dare you get kidnapped <laughs> how dare you she's like where were you he's like i was taken she's like okay and we had shadow monsters attacking us it's like it's very frustrating it's like you could tell that they're making arguments for the sake of drama the writers where it's not really needed but to be fair in the books they did argue a lot over everything and any little thing and it was very frustrating too so they are sticking being true to, to character by being annoying as hell but it's like exhausting like you guys have this big looming threat and you're nitpicking arguments right now and then he basically says i'll find your firebird okay is that what you want and then he's basically really upset and i'm like okay let's just go to cave and see what we find and then they head off but i was also and then, then generally they... um, annoyed by Alina for the whole thing. You're like, first she tells Bagra, okay, I'm going to block him. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to project anything towards the, the, the dark thing anymore. I'm going to block him out of my mind as much as I can. Like two seconds later, she goes somewhere alone without telling anyone and like actually seeks him out and almost burns the entire chapel and everything down around her. Like, couldn't she have gone somewhere where she couldn't hurt anyone or break anything Listen. or burn anything and maybe have someone there just in case something goes wrong? You know just ideas but no she does it all alone and without thinking about the consequences at all and i was very annoyed by that same so come on alina come on. and you know Stay. if she would have told someone what she was doing then mal would have known what she wanted to do and wouldn't have broken her out the like she would have known to wait unless she seriously hurt someone or and oh my god all this taunting she's doing to the most crazed person she's ever met is not gonna work out in her favor at the end like you know he's crazy you know he wants to find you so what are you doing reaching out to it works both ways like baby girl let's let's start thinking it was so frustrating it's like oh insanity so yeah well thank god for bagra i mean she's she's pointing them into the necessary direction where they need to be which is good i'm like finally someone needs to take control because these two they're like running in circles he needs saviors but to be fair the crows are much younger than them and yeah i see them making progress they're always making progress but, i feel like it's the... they're six there there's six of them then they are like they have had to grow up way faster because they're all like living a life of crime and also like they are not saviors they're not trying to save the whole world they're oh, basically true. just trying true. to get rich and you can you can do a lot less damage while trying to get rich they're not You're trying so, yeah, to that's decide true. the fate of the world that's true yeah okay i see a vision i see it and i agree okay then after that they leave to go to marzov's cave or whatever they called it pekka rollins is thrown into hellgate where a prisoner inevitably tries to make a name for himself unfortunately the crime boss is way too savvy to be killed by nobody that's so rude and he takes advantage of the situation beating the guy uh senseless uh, riling the prisoners up to work for him matthias watches all this from afar and vows to get his revenge so the plot in hellgate starts to pick up because at, up until this point matthias was really doing nothing other than fight and just sit and wasn't the guy who died wasn't his cellmate right I think so was yeah because yeah. you know, some of this i borrowed from online yeah it was a cellmate and then uh, and he was basically Matthias spoke to him before he died and he was like, oh, I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce the name of his god, but he said, 
don't give up on Dijel or whatever. But a lot of Matthias's problems is more internal with himself. And then he, obviously, there's this big looming threat. Pekka Rollins is easily building an army for himself within the prison, and which is going to cause problems later. Like, they had to give him power. He didn't need all of that. Yeah, basically had the same note, like, yeah, Pekka Rowling isn't going to be easy to kill. He's a barrel boss. It's not, it's not just some nobody from a prison is going to kill him and just like that. But they but need yeah, to humble and, him and... real quick. Like, you got your ass handed to you by a 17-year-old kid. Okay, let's not forget who threw you in here. Hello? But at the same time, that only showed you how they match crazy. It's like, like let's imagine if Kaz was ever in jail. I, yeah. I would feel very sorry for the poor people in the jail. It's either he would take over or he'll escape the first night. Either way. <laughs> it's not it's good actually both. either way it's not it's not good for anyone because it's like oh, and that man always has an agenda like come yeah. on yeah but i mean i feel like that that has been like that that was something that was definitely pointed out in the books multiple times and i feel like it has also been pointed out or at least hinted at in the show pekka and Cass are surprisingly similar and that's why they they're such good adversaries which makes it, which makes it so tragic because if if pekka wouldn't have tried to like scam Cass and Jordy but instead would have tried to keep to take them under his wing then that that would have been very bad for everybody involved because Cass as like the the protege of of Pekka who but maybe with Jordy still there he would have been better possibly yeah maybe not who knows we don't really know enough about how much criminal potential Jordy would have had yeah you're right we don't know about that potential okay do we have anything to say about that part because my next notes go to back to the crows and Zoya and Toya. I'm actually still a little surprised. Like the sh- the, the everything has been going so fast in season two, and yet basically the plot around Matthias hasn't moved at all. Don't and that just started. still kind of surprised me. Like everything else happened so fast. I mean, as you have put it out multiple times and now tiny tiny almost spoiler it is good that they are not moving Matthias's plot fast but it's also a bit <laughs> odd because I want all the six crowds together and Matthias it's, isn't yeah, part of it it's, yet it's good and bad like okay he's he's doing nothing at the same time we don't want him to do anything because we want him right where he is it's like he's right where they left him that's me throwing my Taylor Swift reference in there he stands there dust collecting but yeah his album would be red okay back to Kaz and his and his group Kaz's plan goes ahead and like it always does it goes awry Nina is blindsided by Oval in the street while Zoya loses the pair in the hustle and bustle of the marketplace unaware of this Kaz and the others break into the Oval's house but it's rigged with traps the room starts filling with poisonous gas and an egg timer starts counting down as all the characters pass out as episode Wait a second, out, is this still episode 5 or are we into yeah. episode 6 no no we're at the end of 5 okay then I, I guess I didn't entirely take my notes completely as they should as I should have that's okay so as the episode closes out Nina awakens to find Zoya there having found her in the street Nina was clever enough to pretend that she was dead slowing down her heart rate with Oval gone the pair are left with no answers and erased against the time the the time to save the crows episode result. so they're stuck oh, i just just noticed one of my notes that i saw earlier and forgot what the what the point of it was but i remember it, it was i'm going 
back right to the beginning, but when Jenya says how she how she found them, like when D David asked her how she found them, and she said she looked for familiar heartbeats, and it was so cute, and I just saw that note, and I was like, what what what, what did I mean? But now I know what I meant. It was, was so cute. cute. I was like, aw, seek out sorry. familiar heartbeats. That was no, that's, that's great. You pointed it out because it makes me love them more. <laughs> that's what makes them so perfect. That was so cute. Yeah. So yeah, with most of the so Kaz, Inej, Jasper, and Toya are being gassed up. Wylan is outside. So that's where the episode ends. Wylan to the rescue! Finally, some action for our boy. And then we go, which was this? this see, episode five is so fun. It was so fun. I feel like this is the episode where I'm most likely going to rewatch a million times. And each and every time I'll watch episode six right after. Because these two episodes are amazing. Really great. Amazing. Amazing. And Toya being an honorary crow added to the mix was very fun. I love Definitely. him. Definitely. So I love him so much. I wish Zoya had more like more interactions with everybody else other than Nina, but I loved her being there too because I really love Zoya. You know, I can't figure out her character very much because she is still Zoya, but she doesn't feel like Zoya. I feel like even the writers are still trying to figure her out. It's 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 an odd feel. Hey, my I notes... feel like that's why they are pushing so much for the spin-off because there are so many characters like they need to yeah. break them up if they want to do justice my... to all of them otherwise it's just gonna be terrible in my biggest yeah. fear if when they do the spin-off it's just gonna be shadow and bone and no crows are gonna be in it and no one's gonna watch the show but isn't it supposed to be a crow spin-off yes but i'm afraid if they make the spin-off the crows won't be in shadow and bone anymore oh uh, do they That's... even still have enough stuff left after season two for shadow Gr and bone i still haven't finished it but mm. right now i mean they're basically i mean shadow and bone the maybe... end of the second of the third book yeah that's true so that's what i'm thinking i'm like we could always like merge which is fun for me because i love i'll watch every episode of any show because it's fun and i need to see more tolia and tamar <laughs> that's where they are especially like i they completely skipped basically the like the grisha team that builds in in book three which i know i'm I, I really love those characters and like the dynamics between all of those characters and they basically completely skipped that dynamic and uh, their travels together and that's really sad yeah they need to at least incorporate some of them into season three so in episode six it's called I Have No Heart. So episode six of Shadow and Bone season two starts. Alina and Bagra heading out to find the Firebird. I think Mal was with them, right? I don't, I didn't write his name here. Bagra warns that if she comes, if it comes down to it, Kerrigan will need to be stopped as he's oh. polluted by Merzots. So you're, you're starting off just because, I, I don't know, I was distracted for a second. You're starting off with the plot that is Bagra, Mal, and Alina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just to make sure I know where we are. Yeah, we're starting with, yeah, with them. I don't know why I started with it. It was like this. It's just, okay, anyway. She's strong, but not strong as Kerrigan right now. She, she needs... To find the firebird and sever this bond before it's too late. Mel is an exlemper and it, he's a great tracker, as we know, but he's having trouble finding the firebird. Sitting with Bagra, she reveals that the pair that her father was actually bo the bonesmith Morozova. For her, going back to the workshop isn't a return home, more of a return to a scene of a crime. Uh, she reveals that the tale that it's been told was half true because the person Morozova brought back was actually her younger sister and not just a random boy, uh, and then which resulted in Bagra being banished and her dad being like sunken alive. Uh, the pair make it to the workshop where Bagra uses her blood to open the door and they and they head deeper in. And when they do, Alina pours over the documents on the table. Bagra continues to search the adjacent passage while Alina and Mal have a moment. The pair reaffirm their love for one another before we get 
to the crux of the issue. Bagra checks the bones buried inside and curses her luck. She originally believed that her sister may be there, but she was never buried inside. In fact, it seems Marzova used his powers to bring her back to life, having Bagra carry this burden with her her whole life. Bagra deduces that her sister ended up having kids. Her power passed down through generations, and then the here and now, so she basically, I think at that point, she pulls him aside and tells Alina to stay there, and basically breaks down that Mal is the firebird and she tells him. So that's the first part of my notes on them. Uh, Mal being the firebird was basically we've seen it coming if we read but that happened very fast obviously again fast but I like the way it happened actually because basically we're going to race against the clock and Bagra is pretty smart so I don't question the pace but it was really her just breaking it down like why do you think you ran from orphanage to orphanage till you found the right one it was your calling to find Alina the way you did it was actually really good I actually like the way they handled it real, right here Angie did you know that Mal was the firebird before you watched this or you were spoiled? I did yeah I, I had that spoiler like I said I, I I had a lot of spoilers so I knew that so I was like I don't know when I knew they were gonna merge both books I was like when is that reveal gonna happen you know so I was looking forward to it um a little bit and her breaking, like, saying Marzova is her father, which basically implies Marzova is Kerrigan's grandfather, which impedes the doom even more, and Mal being the Darkling's cousin. Awkward. That I didn't know, I guess. Cousin. Yeah, I didn't know cousin. that, I think. I knew he well, was the amplifier or the firebird, but the third amplifier they needed, but I didn't know they were related. I guess it makes sense, but I was like, oh. makes sense really that. awkward for Alina, if you think about it. Two cousins. I mean, at first, girl, in messy. the book, she thought she was the, the long-lost re- um, um, relative, so I guess... This that is, is very mortal instruments of them. Like, what's up with them and relatives? Hello, that's weird. But yeah, it was it was strange. But, but it being Mal makes sense because obviously, how would he find the stag? How would he do this? Yeah, yeah. At first, like when I first read the books or the first book, I, I honestly thought that Mal was some sort of Grisha as well because of his tracking sense, like abilities, because that they didn't really make sense otherwise. It was obviously something more to it than just him being good at reading stuff. But yeah, this this makes makes more sense because they didn't have any kind of Grisha that could track so that makes more sense so while Bagra's breaking it down for Mal the Darkling basically did what Alina did before and basically gets to her and points out that he's killed the first army camp in Charisman. I can't ever say that word. And he won't stop until he gets what he wants. It's useless for her to fight him while Kerrigan keeps her in this stranglehold power. Mal and Bagra show up and see her caught up in an entranced state. Bagra sets the workshop on fire deciding that they have what they need before touching Alina's shoulder and she jumps in the vision which hasn't been done before. The darkness is confused. And then she basically chops off his hand, sacrifices herself to save Elena. Um, Mal grabs, a w- he grabs her and they scramble to safety, heading out the burning workshop. As her final act of sacrifice, Bagra calls her son foolish and basically, like, well, like I said, cuts his hand off, severing the bone or the stag from so much happened and I was like, okay, good. But also losing Bagra was really sad. <laughs> 
I was like, what? That was a lot. But also progress. They are making progress. We are moving forward. Yeah. And then they, they start about the whole, like, talking about the whole thing that, that, that Mal needs to be killed, which annoyed me in the books and annoys me here. Because, I mean, especially in the show, we already had that, that Kirigan took a finger off from Bragra to get amplifier powers without killing her. Why can't Mal and why can't Mal and Lina do that? And, like, Alina had this whole thing that she had a connection with the stack before she killed it. And she wanted didn't want to kill the, the 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 sea serpent why is everybody suddenly so gung-ho about killing mel being the only way and well then i also had like a slightly less pg thought about the whole thing since obviously mel's amplifier power is inherited and she needs part of the amplifier to be on her body in her body whatever wouldn't there be another way to get like the next amplifier to be very very close to her i don't know but them hell-bent on killing mel i was like at this rate you guys keep arguing just do it like hello kill him <laughs> but obviously they can't because she loves him and i was like i get it it's cute yeah, but as i said when i was reading the books already i was like just like theoretically what would happen if she would become pregnant by him wouldn't that have a similar effect potentially i feel like it does make sense it's like but i don't know why but it, it, it makes sense but at the same time I don't know. It wouldn't it wouldn't really fit with the vibes of the books, I know, but um my logical brain was like also like really not a good way like not not a very safe way not a very fast and reliable way but yeah I, I, already when i was reading the, the point book, since like right right after they figured this thing out like the whole they actually sleep with each other happens in the book and in the show but yeah my yeah. brain went there i mean it's, it's it's possible to think about but i don't know that poor baby what, the, what does it have to do with anything that wouldn't be great up to be a villain. like a great reason to... to be a villain we're like oh i was only conceived save the world nobody loves me and then we're gonna have another little mini darkling all over again the point is that there were other options than killing mal like they could have explored <laughs> and the, everyone was like let's kill him and i was like mm, okay clearly you don't like him stop trying to kill him <laughs> exactly let's kill him uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense imagine them just sharing like like oh here's the breakdown of what we have to do kill mal the crows would have just threw a threw a knife in his heart like okay done they would have like done because like, Which wouldn't have worked since you know Lina has to be the one to kill him, but well. No, he would like to who find a way because he, at the end of the day, his money is on the line. And we're done with them and we go back to um the crows plus Zolia and Tolia. Uh, they're still knocked out with and each experienced their own hallucination, which was bizarre and so trippy. I was like, wow, I love this episode. For Tolia, he's seeing the aftermath of him stabbing his sister while Jasper and Jasper speaks to his mother, recoiling the ill will between them starting to embrace his true calling jesper's mother convinces her son to embrace who he really is uh, i'm trying to see so the hallucinations are are really are really cute and then kaz has like basically his brother trying to kill him and inez just writing her own fan fiction about kaz and i was like we have two good ones and we have two sad ones Perfect well i balance. mean to be honest inez was kind of bittersweet as well it was it started off cute but she like even in her dream she didn't believe that this was what would happen so it, it turned sad pretty quickly yeah. but i thought it was an amazing way for the writers to give us more kaz and inesh without compromising their characters and their backstory like more more, more touching between them more yeah. romance between them and um, i really liked that as like fan service yeah. worked really well just saying if he had his gloves on in the in the in the vision or in the hallucination she would have been convinced she would have been convinced she saw his hand and she was like mm, 
one and one is not adding up right now which was really sad but it's just it only shows you how she's dying and she's literally yearning for him at the same time i was like girl you're weak in the knees stand up like you're better than this get up i was like get up but also same but get up um, but i loved i loved jasper's vision with his mom it was so sweet like i loved it so the, much the way i literally cried for him and I kept crying. I was like, it was so good. And the first time I saw him, I was like, is that his mom? And then he was like, mama. I was like, hello? Yes. I loved her. I loved her so, so, so much. So much. And she was so good. And she like says, oh, he's like, you didn't have to die. And she was like, oh, I had to sacrifice myself for this girl. She was dying. And then, oh, and then you see the similarities between Jesper and his mom. They're great shooters. They're selfless. They they're basically the same person. I just love that Jasper so... sometimes kind of forgets that he's selfless, but he is just yeah. isn't always good at showing it. But it was just so cute, and Tolia's was kind of really sad because I feel like he only has Tamar, and then him killing his sister. It was like I was like that's probably the worst thing. Like basically, is the worst thing he could ever imagine happening. And Kaz is being drowned by his brother. I was like, why, why, why couldn't we all have happy delusions or hallucinations? Why couldn't we all have happy one it was so intense i think and then, i almost think that it was actually because jasper is also a, a tourist or fabricator and i feel like that almost had something to do with it because the the grisha um woman whose name i forgot the the, the saint um oval yeah it's also a tourist fabricator grisha so i feel like that might have had like a connection between them that that made that possible that with the whole jasper hallucination I feel like that was once again one of these things where book readers were like knew much more than than people who just watched the show because if you hadn't read the books and didn't know how Jasper's mom died, I feel like you would have been a bit confused. What do you say, Angie, who hasn't read the entire book yet or hadn't read it when you watched it first? Yeah, I mean, I was just, I guess I was just happy to learn more about him. That's a, a good way, I guess, to learn. But yeah, I wasn't fully caught up with what was happening. And, you know, in the same way that seeing those pockets of flashbacks of Kaz's backstory i feel like you would have given me nothing had i not known his actual backstory so yeah i feel like yeah i feel like that's why even though i loved inej's hallucination as well i feel like i would have liked something more personal for her too and like a a way to to glimpse into who like her past you know because she also has trauma obviously and i'm not saying it needs to be sad but you know another way of like showing her us how she was before because i feel like we haven't seen a lot of that from her so far since you know the beginning of the show so yeah i was definitely i would have liked to see that too but again i obviously loved the kazan in edge of it all and like that hallucination i also thought it was a great way to give us something without <laughs> compromising their um characters and their journeys and everything so yeah even though i enjoyed that i would have liked to see something more personal from her i completely agree i feel like they did sacrifice a lot of inej personal background for the sake of kanej because she does have her own trauma that she carries with not as strongly as kaz's touch aversion but she does have like a lot of it from being in the menagerie for a very long time and but she but unlike unlike kaz she's willing to push through it but i think that's what they were leaning so much on that she's a lot more like outward and willing to overcome a lot of things but she does need to um be checked on and i hope with more nina in the coming uh, seasons that they will like 
have girl strength and rely on each other and be more outwardly with their troubles and their traumas and help each other heal. Yeah, just then again, I mean, I know her backstory. Well, now I'm reading the books and I know a lot more and like, you know, but I feel like for someone who hasn't read it, like you, you're like a little confused yeah. where she's coming from, right? So I exactly. feel like that was that was going to be the, the, a good way to show that she also has issues and, and you know, it's struggling and it's, I guess it's, it's fighting to overcome those and it's doing it because right now you're like, okay, she wants to have a boyfriend like you know like it, it yeah. gets more superficial right if you don't know the backstory and someone who hasn't read the books don't have doesn't have that backstory i guess so yeah, that's, that's what i would like a lot more exactly yeah, I so agree. i agree and while they're all dying and having hallucinations violin is being a nerd and talking to butterflies and it was and, so cute and he's like so oh, butterflies and then he goes i should show jesper a butterfly and then he finds out they're dying just because he thought of jesper and butterflies i was like you sweet sweet summer child I love him being so. such a nerd like he's talking like, about how the flower and the butterfly and everything it was so cute he was like oh, i'm gonna show him the butterfly i was like i was like why is he so cute <laughs> What? And then he like, oh, and then he puts two and two together and he's like, okay, guys. So it went where my notes are. Uh, Wyland shows up at the workshop and he busts a hole through the door and everyone's knocked out. It's Inej who breaks out of her hallucination. She's strong. I don't know how she did it, but I think just her figuring out that it was a hallucin- hallucination was enough for her to like pull through. She tells Wyland that they've been poisoned, who goes to the flowers and he just picks up a butterfly and feeds it to her. And that the, the trust that she has, she just it i would have stared at him i'm like hello make a bigger hole and get us out of here like giving me a butterfly and for what and she just ate it also like his 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 theory of being the antidote like it could have just as easily been more poisonous because it kept ingesting the poison like no listen he just said let's try it and then i was like wylan you're so lucky you're so lovable because because i wouldn't have trusted him and yeah but i'm really impressed with inesh that she had enough self-control to give it to tolia first and not kaz i I, I mean i I guess it was because she knew that kaz wouldn't be able to just feed the others as quickly as tolia or jasper would have been so she chose like very well for very good reasons probably but i'm really impressed she managed to make that choice i'm not sure i could have done that yeah she went to tolia first i think she did do it for that reason uh and then they after they give the flower they force feed and then tolia helps jasper and then she goes over to Kaz and uh, she gives him the butterfly. And then as Olvar returns, they play dead uh, when she returns up. I, I loved how Jasper was like, it's anybody filled with a, with a, with a, with a joy. I know we almost died, but it was so nice. And everybody else was just like, bitch, please. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, did anybody else have a fun hallucination? And they're like, and then Inesh can't say, oh, me too. But no, they're like, they stare at him. They're like, huh? He was literally Oval's favorite because she said, here you go. Have fun. So they played dead, but Inesh was fighting the rafts and then Oval sensed her and then they started a fight. So she starts attacking them with literally everything and anything and she's winning Oval. Uh, as they're getting beat up by Oval, Cass shows up out of nowhere with the disciple, with the man in the wheelchair, and that's when Oval decides to start stop fighting and to start talking. She basically says, he has nothing to do with this, we should leave him out of it, and then Cass being Cass, he would not do that easily, so he was like, you know what? No. And then I think it's here where they say that she is 
the saint yeah he said he has the sword because it was hers he stole it back for her and then uh tolia gets really like happy that he's meeting a saint a shoe saint because he is also shoe and then they bow to her the crows follow suit and drop to their knees paying their respects tolia tries to bargain with oval telling her that they only want to borrow the blade Given Alina is part Shu, she could be the key to bridging the alliance between Ravka and Shu. Oval molded over, giving a beautiful speech about love and eternal and living is all about. And she, then she tells everybody to leave except Jesper. Basically, she agrees, but she doesn't want to give the sword to about anyone. She chooses to give it to Jesper. And then Oval speaks to Jesper in confidence, knowing that he is a dura- durast and urging him to not waste his talent. Jesper knows that he has a lot of catching up to do, but at least he will have the blade to try from the the right path and not only that jesper finally reveals his true feelings to wyland and then they kiss yay something i that love that been... scene so much like he comes out with the sword and just like hands it over like if, if totally i wouldn't have grabbed it he would have dropped it on the floor not caring at all he's like just yeah the saint picked... i loved it so much yeah he's like the saint picked me but i pick wyland i was like true love true love true love and then kaz gives him the dirtiest side eye acting like he's not the reason why they're together oh he's like wyland and, and jesper work together what do you think was gonna happen like hello and then everybody and then Cass says something like everybody's go- is losing their mind I was like come on now don't be a hater I generally really enjoyed the, the, that woman though I mean first she was really scary and like I, I keep dropping like references to completely different things but she kind of reminded me a bit of the bloodbending lady from Avatar the one with, she, who, who mentored Katara and she um, basically then, did that anyway she yeah was, I know it was because of the scary. iron in their blood she was like yeah I was like <gasps> Also, Magneto wipes like from 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 X Men. But then, like when she when she talked to Jasper and, and like when she was, oh yeah, this is this is the, the the sarcophagus of my first husband, and he makes a very good table. And I was like, okay, the way that That's... he matches he mm-hmm. matches energy with everyone. He's like he's so unserious. He's like, oh, interesting. And then she, the way she was like, oh, you're too old to be bad at, at a bad durist. She's like, get your get your stuff together. That's she's like, but was that also foreshadowing of what? Like it basically is foreshadowing foreshadowing for what Jesper is able or capable of doing if he like chooses to um tap into his more Grisha. She even says, she's like, you could have attacked me in any way you could, but you didn't do it. Then she was like, get your stuff together. Be a Grisha. And basically mirroring and repeating what his mom told him in his hallucination that he needs to like not be like ashamed or afraid of being Grisha because it is a part of who he is. It's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. I hope that either in the spin-off or in the next season they really explore his Grisha side more. I would really love that. And bring in more people from his background that I'm excited to see. Yeah, yeah, me too. Okay, so back to Alina. Alina learns the truth about Mal's purpose in this fight. She absolutely crushed as a result. She tries to shrug it off as the Darkling's trick, but no, but it's no good. This is real. Knowing the end is near, the pair end up, you know, do what they do best when there's trouble. And then as the episode closes out, Kerrigan and his mother, uh, Kerrigan has his mother's bone dust sprinkled on his severed wrist by Vladimir and the one Bagra sliced as the final act of her a life why am i reading like that i can't read my notes today why am i reading so slowly so 
Kerrigan has his mother's you're, you're mind. You're being um, um, sympathetic to Violin. Right. It's like, uh, it's like I'm reading word by word and it's bothering me. Kerrigan has his mother's bone dust sprinkled on his severed wrist by Vladim, the one Bagra sliced off as the final act of her life. Kerrigan immediately sees Bagra's final moments, including the reveal that Mel is the firebird. And then he gives a, a little evil smile and he's like, okay, he knows what to do now. It's it's like Mal being a firebird is like it's like at this point it's only gonna end one way because they know what they have to do with the amplifier to get its powers Mal is basically he's like okay I know what my fate is gonna be Alina's a little like back and forth she's like I don't want to kill you I don't want to kill you and he's like you wanted the firebird now you have the firebird so do what you have to do with it and then now she wants to start finding loopholes which she could have tried to think of before like when he said we don't need the firebird but then she didn't listen but I, I wanted to mention that Harrigan, the darkness is very confusing. It's like the way he trapped his mom and treated her very poorly. And then when he died, it's like, I know parental relationships are very like complex, especially when you've been living forever. And then you cry over your mom and then you just take her bones and then you just make yourself a new hand. My, it's a bit my creepy, dysfunctional. My, my darkling apologist era is coming so close to an end. I'm tired of him. I'm so tired of him. He, oh my God. He makes hating him so easy. And then the episode is very easy. And I'm like, of course he knows that his firebird cousin is running about. So obviously it only indicates that he's going to go after Mal and get to him first. So yeah, best two episodes are over. And did we get a Matthias cameo in this episode? Because I didn't write about, again, done dirty. He's just in jail vibing. So yeah, that's the end of my notes. It was it was good two episodes. Good. I mean, at least no, no. I I wanted to say maybe that would make it more interesting once they take on Pekka Roland because then not only Cass would have like an interest in taking on Pekka Roland, but no, they Cass already took on Pekka Roland. So it's like, where's this gonna go? Like, how is Matthias going to figure into the plot eventually? And like, are we eventually getting the whole plot of Six of Crows? Like, their heist there because I really want to see that. But it's gonna be so odd. When they already like are already a family, I really loved how they like all became family while do- doing that heist. So I'm really cu- curious how they're going to handle that. Oh, I was listening to the episode that I missed out on, and it just got to me. Heck and Rollins in the book, didn't he have a daughter and not a son? No, I think it was a son as well. I think they Why said do I Albie, imagine- and they also said said the, the what's it called again the prince, like his his gambling thing is called just something. Kalish prince. prince, yeah, Kalish prince. Why did I? Think I think Pekka had a daughter because of Kaz's memories by flashbacks, at least oh, yeah, in right. the books, he too. Yeah, he pretended to have a daughter. Oh, right, that's it. He pretended to have a daughter. That was, I was like, tripped up. I was like, I swear, I swear he had a daughter. No, nope, it was just pretend because I was so confused. I was like, I swear he had a daughter. See, he even gaslit me into believing it. I was like, I was gaslit. I was like, he had a daughter. I swear he did. But yeah, but I feel like they'll just bring him in and bring in another person. I wish I could say their name, but I can't. But still, but why, why would they flip? the villains of each book but i don't know i trust the writers enough to see what they're gonna do with what they're gonna do next so yeah i mean i guess they wanted the the crows involved in the shadow and bone storyline but for the shadow and bone storyline they can't have the thing that they deal with why they go do their heist from the first book so they couldn't do that heist yet and oh that makes sense and to still have like plot lines that are also sim like come from the book so people wouldn't be too annoyed they had to take something and like all of the stuff that happens in Catadam happened in the second book so they kind of had to switch it around yeah I feel like it does make sense now after I have to think about 
it because they do need everyone for where they're going next. So I feel like five and six are probably my favorite episodes. I'm going to just keep saying that. And then we'll just have the last two whenever we record next. I think I do like the, I think it's four, right? Where they take on Pekka because I just like that whole thing, that whole reveal a lot. So I, I enjoy that episode too. Yeah. So four, five and six solid episodes. The middle, it's a solid <laughs> middle. Yeah, the middle. Season. It really is. The middle is what carries it out. But yeah, that was fun. So any other note <laughs> or should we wrap up? Well, I don't have anything else to say unless Angie you have anything to add I don't know I feel like I forget and then as I'm editing I'm like man I you know I would have said this out and then like all the ideas I was like ah I forgot to say this but I'm used to it now because every time I listen I'm like ah oh, it's worse when I'm not there because I'm like ah oh, I wasn't there I would have said this <laughs> that was me when I was listening to that long beautiful episode that I wasn't a part of it was so fun to listen to <laughs> I mean barely I think I've only missed one episode of all of our episodes that we've done so I don't know that feeling too well but I definitely know the feeling that's when I listen to an episode after you posted it's like I should have said that and then I was like uh, yeah. well too late or I listen to them and I hear something I said and I was like oh god why did you say that that's just so stupid if you want to contact us you can find us on Instagram and Tumblr as Rerouting Network and on Twitter as Rerouting Netpod. You can also email us at reroutingnetwork at gmail.com or send us a voice message on Anchor. And of course you can rate and re- review us on iTunes, Spotify and any other podcast platforms that allow that. We'd love to hear from you no matter if it's questions, feedback, topic suggestions or your thoughts on any of the things we cover. Tell your friends! Tell your friends!